0: Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Hey, Intimates. Today we're talking with Jana, the criminology researcher, about why it's important we start looking at issues like homelessness and the conditions in our prisons. If we are each of us to be safe in our quarantined, separated, supposedly isolated COVID-19 shelters, the sooner we realize that we can reduce the number of new infections by using social policy, the better, because fewer new infections means fewer infections that might infect us. And of course, we're all connected. Prisoners that are kept in close proximity and host a whole bunch of COVID-19 potential outbreaks, well, their guards have to come home at some point to their families. And those families are going to be going out to shop at your grocery store. And if the COVID-19 epidemic hits, very populated areas or homeless populations like the downtown east side well they may also be going into grocery stores and they're certainly going to be on sidewalks around folks that you're on sidewalks around so understanding we're all connected is the first step but let's hear it from the expert herself talking about social issues we've ignored so far and why this is an opportunity for us to make real change here on intimate interactions hello Hello. Okay, good. It's working. Okay, good. I can open the curtains now. (laughs) I mean, I was getting to it. I was going to open the curtains anyways. Um, But seeing as we have video enabled and I look like a creature of the night. (laughs) Oh, God. Natural light. Get it off me. Okay. Wow. So, I literally just woke up like eight minutes ago. (laughs)
1: Oh, my God.
0: I can't believe the timing that you had. <laughs> wow, it is a gorgeous day outside. Um, but literally I got up and I turned my phone to silent just so that I can like sleep. That's
1: what I do except too. my
0: uh, right, except my alarm still goes off. Yeah. So my alarm went off at 9:30 and I had a bad night, so I was up until 3:30. Oh. <laughs> And I was like, I'll be okay. I can do this. I can, um, this, this could work. Then I fell back asleep after turning my alarm off and taking my medication, which is good because at least I took my antidepressants.
1: Yeah.
0: And then I woke up at 1121 and looked at my phone and went, oh fuck, I'm totally (laughs) supposed to be recording with Yana this morning. And then I got a text from you and you were like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I tried to be on... 20 minutes ago, and then I forgot my password, and I've been trying to guess it.
1: I almost never use it. I, like, I, we use Zoom for all of my, um, like, course website, like, course stuff. So, yeah. Right. A, yeah. And I don't have, like, automatic password filler thing, because I'm <laughs> not that intuitive. I'm like, I'll remember it. Right. <clears throat> and then I don't, so, you know. <laughs> You're like, well, that shows me. Yep. Yep. I've been locked out of my CRA account for like six months before.
0: Oh man. Yeah, I, I totally empathize. I don't
1: autofill things. Cause I'm like, so it's So being fine. a
0: pattern minded human, I have like, um, I just have like patterns for how I tend to generate my various passwords. Yeah. And then I can write down hints for myself. So I have like a document where I write down hints for myself, which really should be in a password manager <laughs> so that it's encrypted, but it's not, um, but uh, I would have forgotten. So I've forgotten my password so many times before I implemented that system that um, my username for some of these um, services is like VA Salmon 2 Yeah. Because the first <laughs> one got so locked out that I was trying to recover it. And they were like, no, you've now joined this to like the wrong, the wrong thing. And like, oh my God. And I'm like, can't you just delete my account? And they're like, if we deleted your account, we still wouldn't be able to free up your username for X months. And I'm like, I'll just make a new account.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I'm just going to declare password bankruptcy and move forward.
1: The CRA told me that I made like 12 accounts. (laughs) 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 And I was like, yeah, that sounds like me. (laughs) And she was like, that's a... Wow, I've never seen somebody do that before. And I'm like, well, you never met me. So... (laughs) I've actually been a lot more calm and uh, chilled out since this happened because I am an introvert. <laughs> so being around people right. is exhausting. Uh, yeah, I bet. And I was an only child, so like I can chill by myself literally for days and it doesn't matter.
0: Right, whereas I was the youngest of three. So for <clears throat> me, I'm like constantly trying to like, hey, what are you guys
1: doing? Yeah. Can,
0: I do, can I do that?
1: Yeah. I miss my students, though, and I miss my friends. But other than that, um, I'm pretty good not going outside.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I have a balcony in my apartment in Richmond, and I can literally go out there and sun myself for, like, 20, 30 minutes on days that are actually sunny, and it's as good as going to the beach for me. I mean, it's not really because I love the water, Yeah, um, but being able to just sit in like the warm glow of sunlight is such a luxury in the Pacific Northwest that I'm like, Oh, it's sunny outside. I would be so sad if I couldn't go and just lie in the sun for a little bit. Yeah, totally. Yeah. This super rich couple in like Kitsilano was getting rid of their old um, sun loungers and getting new, expensive, beautiful ones. And they were like, they just wanted to Craigslist them for someone to haul them away as junk. They're like, these ones are rusting. Like they're kind of gross like give us 70 bucks and you can have the pair and I was like I'd been looking for one sun lounger for under for like 50 bucks or less and I think I ended up I ended up buying both for 60 or something so I just they're stackable so I just stack them and then if a partner comes over and wants to lounge with me I have a second one which is nice
1: yeah yeah totally I typically do
0: that I like I will like buy things to make my home more ready for other people I'm like that kind of an extrovert. I like to I like to be able to be a good host and like provide things, but I often don't have the emotional energy to do full hosting duties of like organizing and like setting up for people. My I kind of have this thing that like I try and not put in more energy than other people are putting in.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: like a thing I do to save myself.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: So it's like if I've put in all the effort to make an event... And people aren't really RSVPing and they don't really seem to super care. It's like, cool. Well, the event's going forward and I'm just going to be there by myself, which is cool. And I'm (laughs) never by myself, right? There's always like a couple people that show up. But then I'm not motivated to do another one.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's weird to have this like deep desire for like service and hosting and um, hospitality, I guess. But then at the same time to not feel like... Other people really appreciate it. And then I'm like, oh, I need to dial this back. Otherwise, I'm going to get burnt out and super upset with myself. And that's not going to be a good place. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. So much work to do in therapy. <laughs> so speaking of COVID and the the sort of <coughs> the way that it sort of ups the ante for everyone and like builds this atmosphere of stress and mm-hmm. challenges. Um, yeah a lot of people have that same system of like oh i'm getting kind of burnt out thinking about this mm-hmm. how can i dial it back yeah. um we were going to do an episode and talk about covid in the canadian prison system which is a super relevant topic
1: yeah absolutely
0: did you want to get started with the session now that we've done yeah. like a 15 minute intro
1: <laughs> yeah totally
0: <laughs> all right welcome everyone to another session of intimate interactions i'm here with Jana gorstengard and honors degree holding smarty pants of a human who's <laughs> currently a master's candidate in is it criminology yes in criminology at ooh the university of ottawa is it or ontario yes. ottawa You're, yeah wonderful wow i <laughs> totally just like f- winged that and it went <laughs> a lot better than i thought it would except for all of my second guessing and insecurity <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to talk a bit about the risk um of if covid is established in the prison systems We'll start from where most people will be starting from. What's the risk to the population of the Canadian society, you know, that typically doesn't care very much about those incarcerated as a, as a general rule?
1: Right. Yeah. Um, so this is a it's a hard question um, because most most people um, who have the ability to socially isolate um this isn't really going to affect them unless they have a relative who might be coming into their home. Um, I think most of the, if you, like if you're talking about releasing prisoners, I think there is a lot of fear on the part of non-criminalized people and people who are not incarcerated. Um, and I, I get it. Um, they might have fears around disease transmission um they might have fears around crime rates crime rates going up which they other than you know things like domestic violence and like petty vandalism um personal victimization has actually gone down um because people are socially isolating um which
0: which makes sense for domestic violence to be going up because people are socially isolating with whoever they live with
1: yeah exactly exactly um so yeah and if we're talking about disease transmission and possibly bringing somebody into your home um I know we know that uh, people can be asymptomatic when they leave. So they might have, they might be carrying the disease when they leave a prison. So there's a risk of transmission, but in the federal system, at least I know people who are shuffled from province to province. So where they're released isn't necessarily where they were originally incarcerated. Um, like I've known guys who were arrested in Winnipeg and then sent to BC for a program because of overcrowding or just changing security, um, uh, classifications, So they started out a maximum and they're going down to medium or minimum. Um, so when folks are released due to COVID, um, sometimes they don't have anywhere to go. Um, so I think that criminalized people, uh, folks experiencing homelessness, addiction issues and prisoners are actually at a much greater risk of just ending up maybe on the street um, because we haven't really put in a lot of community support for them. Um, and it's it's difficult now for them to get near a lot of people and to get near um, proper housing, so that they can socially isolate. Like CSC just started releasing prisoners, but they don't have a plan. Um, so the risk to non like non prisoner populations, I can't fully answer that completely. I can only tell everybody that um, people who are like say they end up on the downtown east side. Um, that place it's, it's experiencing a lot of, um, turmoil because of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think criminalized folks, they are at a risk of ending up homeless, um, of possibly catching this disease and then, um, just dying. So yeah um with
0: with how well covid tends to spread from people who are infected increasing i mean firstly having a homeless population that you haven't dealt with as a society is its own problem both because in my opinion it's it's verging on inhumane um if not straight up inhumane And, and uh sorry go
1: ahead we have we have vacant hotels right um we have places for people to socially isolate but I mean, God forbid we let them into the hotels. Like, um, which is the which is some people have that kind of mindset, right? Whereas for me, I'm like, God, put them there.
0: It's give literally them, a state of give emergency. Give them a chance
1: to socially isolate and quarantine, and give them, you know, social support to buy groceries. You know, things like things that we all need to do. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. and
0: also, like, I
1: think there there may be
0: a fear among. Some Canadians that, you know, if you give people things, they won't take care of them. They won't value them. But it's also like, OK, so you can have a homeless population that's all together, not social distancing, where it's like kindling for a virus. The second oh, yeah. one of them gets infected, they all get infected, um, yeah. you know, within within maybe not the second, but within a few days, like it will rip through a population quickly. And you suddenly have a city that goes from having 26 new infections a day to having 2600 new infections. Exactly. Um, you know, after that leg period, you know, it'll get to a city, everyone will be asymptomatic, it'll spread and spread and spread. And then when you start seeing symptoms, it goes from, oh, yeah, you know, because I think a couple days ago, we had actually gone down, it was only like 26 new cases in BC, one new death. And I was like, more people died of car crashes. Like, that's great. We're doing a great job of keeping this potentially explosive exponential curve of death down. And that's something we should be celebrating. Like we've done a really good job of socially isolating in this province. Yeah. And also, if one of those cases of COVID, you know, hits the homeless population and there's an outbreak, it is going to devastate everyone. It is. Yeah. It isn't going to be 26 people. It isn't just going to be 2,600. The second it gets out into the general population of humans and there's 2,600 new cases, it is seeded in a way that will require everyone to socially isolate more severely for much longer.
1: Yeah. And it's like the downtown east side is is... It's a, it's a ticking time bomb, um, yep. for this especially. And it's not just homeless folks who are going to be affected. Like I know people who work on the front lines in the downtown east side. Um, yep. They don't have enough masks. Um, yep. And they have to be there. They're essential workers. Right. Um, and they don't get sick pay. Um, mm-hmm. So even if they might be showing symptoms, they might have to come into work because there's nobody else. Right. Um, there are high burnout rates in the downtown east side. I volunteered there for a year and I burned out
0: yeah you know I so, can't even imagine
1: yeah
0: yeah we've got to support our frontline workers like I yeah. feel like folks don't understand how underpaid and how overly dangerous those positions are
1: yeah and I you know like for I mean it's techniclo- technologically advanced as we are as as a society as people god this has just shown me that we suck at taking care of each other we suck at it
0: we do um and we need we need to do a lot better. The nice thing is, I feel like a lot of the ways that we egregiously mistreat each other, like even homelessness as an issue unto itself, I feel like this has given us an excuse of like, look, it's extra bad from the way we normally mistreat people in the yeah. prison system or the homeless. It's like, cool. What do you think about maybe doing something about it? And hopefully we'll be able to get more ground. Hopefully.
1: Yeah. I hope so. I mean, we need, like, people need community support. Even people who are, um, who have just, like, lost their jobs because of this. Um, you know, I God, we're lucky we got the CERB. For a while, I was like, are we even going to do anything? Or are we going to be like the U.S.? And they hand out one stimulus check. And that's right. it. That's all this financial support that you get. When we right. could be going into this into fall and there could be a second wave in November. Right. So, and then, yeah. and then. You know, I've been reading stuff with, like, the World Health Organization saying that this disease isn't going to go away. This is just going to be a part of what we have to do forever. Right. So, you know, that's really scary. And we need to, you know, we've kind of stepped up a little bit too late. Um, But if we we can get community supports in there, I mean, God, we need to start doing it.
0: Well, and Vancouver did approve putting some folks into hotels. That was a thing that was happening. Good. Um, I don't know how it ended or if it's still ongoing, Mm -hmm. Um, but there was talk about it for a while. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, And then I know there was a news article that Vancouver was putting homeless folks into hotels.
1: Well, yeah, I mean,
0: if you're going to spend money on these businesses, to keep them floating, you should be getting something for it. Yeah, it's it's like there are a lot of folks that are very deeply against nationalization of things. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. cool. And if you are giving companies money to keep them floating, they owe you something for that. Yep. When you bail out the banks in the U.S., you fucking nationalize them. You are paying for something and you will get your money back. You can privatize them later. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like. If we're going to be capitalist about it, let's be capitalist about it. But it's so funny how, like, we're so capitalist about everything else. You know, it's okay to have the homeless. You get all these, like, horrible narratives that they deserve it, etc. Yeah,
1: Um, yeah, yeah.
0: They aren't working hard enough, etc. Which is, like, just, it's like people are so blinded by seeing other people as exactly like themselves that they can't imagine what altered states of mental health look like. Totally. And like I get that. I think that's a very human thing. I think we all suffer from that from time to time where we just like struggle to effectively imagine the world through other people's eyes. Yeah. But yeah, I just we have the hotel space. We have businesses floundering that have no business. Let's give them something to do. Let's keep all those people at work. Exactly. Get some hotel space for homeless folks, for you know, people that are being released from prison, even if they can't find housing elsewhere and are becoming homeless, like, yeah. let's get people in separate rooms so they're not infecting each other. And let's figure out how we're going to facilitate social distancing in those hotels. Like, how are you going to facilitate socializing so yeah. that people can proverbially, proverbially, wow, sit down and have a beer with each other without actually being too close?
1: hmm Yeah. So we I just mean- need to... Figure you some could, stuff out, yeah, you, you could effectively do it like an apartment building. they've um yeah. in our building, at least they've taken away all the furniture in like the uh, the lobby because people used to sit there. So right. they've taken all that away, they've closed the gyms, they've closed the pool. So basically all you're doing is going downstairs to take your garbage out or do your laundry.
0: so uh-huh. I like I like all of that for preventing people getting too close. What I mean, though, is for folks that are really desperate for human contact, we need to find a way to facilitate people getting human contact in a way that's really approved of or that is really safe. Yeah. Like in the same way that we can't trust people to socially distance at the grocery store without security guards directing them and tape on the ground telling them where to stand because people just won't do it. They'll forget. Oh, totally. Yeah. If you've been getting groceries one way for 50 years, there's no chance in hell you're going to change that pattern (laughs) because of some fucking virus. I mean, there are going to be people maybe not quite as old as the 1918 flu pandemic being like, I remember when blah, 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 you know, hit and that was catastrophic. And I mean, look at me now. I don't have rickets. And you're just like be quiet old human.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this like, is just you don't, it doesn't mean like a bunch of other people did. Yeah. No, I didn't get, get
0: rickets from that. Totally. It's the smoking argument.
1: Yeah. 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 I think that's, I think that's tough. Um, the, I mean, the only answer that I have to that is like bringing in technology or like video calling or something like that. But then sure. that requires businesses to spend money that maybe they don't have. Um, you know, a lot of businesses
0: have spent an incredible amount of time and money, like mm-hmm. taping grounds off, taping arrows into all of their aisles, taping signs up. So why wouldn't you just
1: up. use it for something maybe better? I don't know. Or or just the same, right? Like we yeah. have a lot
0: of these solutions. Like tape on the ground works exceptionally well, apparently.
1: Oh Well, it keeps me from accidentally bumping into people and shit. And then where you
0: can't use tape on the ground, like um, at Walmart, I think it was, they used tape on the ground to direct um, people for directions and aisles, and no one paid attention. Yeah. Um, But for one area going past milk and eggs, where everything was limited um, per customer, they actually set up a metal barricade um, so that there was only space for one line of humans to get through. And then you had to go through the other aisle the proper direction and around to get your milk and eggs. Oh God, that's a good idea. It worked so well. Everyone was going the right direction, even though the rest of the store, they weren't. And I was like, Mm. we have all these experiments in how do you enforce social distancing in a way that doesn't make people feel like they're in a police state. And I think a lot of them are quite effective. And I think even for example, with cashiers, you have to pass within six feet. So what did they do? They erected a transparent screen that prevents your breath getting to the cashier. Yeah, they do that here too. It's just fantastic. I'm like, cool. So it might get to the point where we need to literally divide hallways in tight apartment buildings with transparent screens. It's hopefully not going to get to that point. Um, But like we have tested solutions for how do we make this shit work.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, not ideal, but... We have these solutions. So it sort of becomes like that. Like, how do we creatively problem solve and figure out how we're going to make this work? Because a lot of businesses have made it work. And the the funny thing is, it's like you can there's this whole argument of like, are they essential service workers or are they sacrificial poor service workers?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh that i was watching the like it was john oliver talking about the u.s postal service and there was a u.s postal worker who said basically the same thing right um yeah because they're like they're at a massive risk right they're coming into buildings they have to right um it's the same with canada post so yeah. if you've like coughed on your hand and touched your mailbox i can't i can't remember how long the virus lives on each substance on earth but um, it's it's at least hours. It's yeah. at least hours. Yeah. So they come in, maybe they touch it with their gloves and then they touch somebody else's mailbox like it's just Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's it's kind of a this virus is is um the shittiest thing <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, and like I think novel viruses typically are.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like means- I remember the SARS outbreak in Toronto. Oh wow. wow uh because i remember um somebody i knew got it because they were in toronto um and then they had to be they had to live in a hotel basically for like three weeks while they worked through it um but it they, even sars isn't as deadly as this
0: actually i think sars not to be the actually guy i think sars is more deadly but significantly less infectious oh really yeah it's like sars doesn't you don't infect a lot of people when you get SARS, especially with how early it got caught right, and how right well right. it was managed. They were able to keep the SARS outbreaks down to very, very small numbers of people.
1: Yeah. And this is just like, on I've i never it's... seen anything like this in my entire life. Like well, I've was read HIV. about this shit in history books, like, but I've never lived it.
0: Of course. And this yeah. is a really exceptional time period to be alive for. Like, I'm taking pictures when I go to the grocery store and the whole aisle is empty and it looks like it's renovation. And it's like, no, this is just the toilet paper aisle.
1: Yep. Or the flower aisle. Like, what yep. the fuck? Everybody's buying flour? Like, what is this little house on the prairie again? <laughs> what the fuck are people doing?
0: Also, just like, if you're going to buy 20... I If make some sourdough. If, yeah. If you're going <laughs> to... <laughs> Apparently, everyone else had the same idea.
1: Yeah, well, I thought of it weeks
0: ago, so it's my idea now. (laughs) You just weren't being a jerk about buying all the flour.
1: Yeah, I was being considered... Well, I also thought I had some, but turns out I didn't.
0: So I think what's most frustrating is people who want 20 kilos of flour will buy ten two kilo bags, and I'm like, nah, that's being a complete asshole. Go on eBay, go on Amazon, buy a 20-kilo bag of flour... Don't buy 10 units of flour per person. Like no system is set up to tolerate that kind of abuse. Yes, I I get it. You can't find the flour. And also, please don't buy 10 bags of two kilos of flour. Right?
1: Like I, as soon as this thing hit, all of a sudden everyone was like on the great British baking show. Like I don't, I I just, I don't get it. The flour and the toilet paper just absolutely baffle me. Hand sanitizer, yeah, I get it. Soap, yeah, I get it. Um, But those two other things, holy shit, I can't, I can't, I still can't wrap my brain around it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, it's extra special. Yeah. Oh, also yeast. There's no yeast anywhere.
1: Yeah, I've I've noticed that too. I'm like,
0: are you people not making sourdough starters out of your yeast? Because... You can't get yeast anywhere. You can't get it at Walmart. You can't get it at Superstore. You can't get it at Freshco. Like, every grocery store is sold out. Amazon just got yeast back in its, like, availability of things to get. Yeah, yeah. I ordered a pound of yeast from China, like, three weeks ago. Oh, my God. with shipping, it cost me, like, $18. And it's going to be here by the end of May. So, in two weeks, I will finally be able to bake bread. And guess what? I bought one unit... And it is being shipped to me. I waited like over a month to get it and I will have my yeast and I will not put any strain on the local supply chains. Yeah. But also like businesses aren't buying what they normally buy because they're all closed. You can't really go into a bakery anymore. So all of the bakery style yeast that, you know, they buy it by the pound, that's all available on the market. If you're going to be using a shit ton of yeast to bake every day buy a fucking brick like like, don't buy like 10 packets of fleischmann's like five to seven grams a packet like just just don't buy like 10 of those ribbons of three of them don't get 30 of those buy a freaking brick like do everyone a favor
1: this is this has taught me that people don't really understand what bulk buying is yeah like they think buying like 18 packets oh i'm buying in bulk it's like no you're not you don't understand what's going on
0: And also paying way too much for what you're getting and you're stressed and you're throwing money at a problem and it's the usual way, the usual channels that you get those goods. I get it. And also (laughs) there, (laughs) there must be a better way. Yeah. (laughs) So I think I've been pretty frustrated um, with just how people are choosing to consume. And I mean, it's so antithetical for a business to be like, Hey, please go to these other businesses to get your shit. Yeah. And also we need to be telling people to buy bulk stuff because it's wreaking havoc on our supply chain. Absolutely. Yeah. Apparently it's the same with toilet paper. There's a lot of factories that have been retooling because they normally make like recycled paper, business toilet paper. Right. Which no one buys at home. And the industry is apparently a 50, 50 split just about. I was reading it, reading a news article about this, about like how they're just different products. Like, no one would buy one ply recycled paper and yet businesses only tend to buy that. So there's yeah. all of this business toilet papers. They're like, it's not humans living residentially that are really hoarding that much toilet paper. Ironically, it's all of the business pulp product that's like in the market. That's now just stockpiled. Jesus. Yeah. So they've got to literally build and create like, the ability to manufacture a different product because they need different inputs and they need different machines to make triple-ply or double-ply. Right. I want my butt to feel like it's being wiped by silk.
1: <laughs> I mean, I do, but, you know, I'll <laughs> take what I can get at this point. Uh, first world problems, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
0: uh, my, brother, my brother made a joke about using our left hands because... When he was in India when he was 12, he says he was, quote, traumatized. (laughs) Oh, God. And I'm like, first world problems, Mark. Yeah. But but also, we do all have showers. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's not great, but, like, it's not going to be the end of the world. A lot of people in the world manage. Yeah, absolutely. But holy... Just telling people in first world countries you may need to go without luxuries. Whole fucking world has stopped. Oh, it's the oh my apocalypse.
1: God. Yeah. I like. Oh, the people who are like, I can't get a haircut, and you're like, listen, we're all <laughs> gonna look pretty haggard for a while. Like, get a hairband, buy some bobby pins, just deal with it, like everybody else. Vanessa,
0: it's gonna be okay.
1: Yeah. You can get your, I can I speak to a manager haircut later? But for now, just <laughs> fucking deal with it. In
0: the meantime, you won't be able to speak to managers. I know, Karen, it's a lot.
1: Yeah, you can email them. They won't answer, but you know.
0: <laughs> so
1: hilariously, I are actually
0: know Karens and Vanessas who are like,
1: why are people using my name?
0: <laughs> I'm like, I'm so sorry, Karen.
1: Yeah, but I'm still going to do it. <laughs>
0: It's, 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 I just, it's so funny when like shit talking, um, but obviously I don't mean it seriously. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. (sighs) It is, it is such a dark and big and looming topic, but it's super neat to be talking about it, you know, mid May when this first dropped by which I mean the news, but you can also interpret that as the stock market um, Mm -hmm. about two months ago. Yeah, because it was like towards the end of March when COVID hit here and everyone lost their minds. And it's been about two months. So people have had the chance to be on CERB for up to two months if they qualify. Or on EI or on welfare. Yeah. And the more or people with disability or various other programs. And the more we look at rolling out CERB and how it's gone, the more I think we realize the administration of each of these individual programs is expensive. Mm-hmm. The amount of checking we do on each of these programs is expensive. Yeah. CERB functions almost like a loan in some cases, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. The fact that the Canadian government found a way for you to be like, fuck, I need money. And they will just give you $2,000 and worry about you returning it or them taxing it back later. Yeah. That's epic. Yeah. Like that's something. It also- that- Sorry, go ahead.
1: It also demonstrates, I think, the need for for UBI. Oh yeah, universal
0: uh, basic income, absolutely.
1: Like, d- it hardcore. Would save,
0: it would save money, even if that universal basic income were less than we needed to survive. Like, if it were five hundred bucks a month or something. Still, that's that's an extra five hundred bucks
1: that you wouldn't normally have.
0: I think the downside likely. is it would mean scrapping all the other administrative programs.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Which would mean, um. If we paid everyone 500 bucks, we would no longer be able to afford welfare or PWD or any of those other programs and the money we got from all the administration. So then it becomes this issue of like, well, but we have to make sure people aren't taking a hit on what they're being paid if they're living with a disability or if they're on welfare supporting children. So it's sort of, it starts becoming like, how can we make this an online verification system that requires a human 20 seconds to approve? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how can you literally just be like, here are my dependents, here are their social insurance numbers, here's me, here's my social insurance number, here's my picture of my letter from my doctor, and a picture from, you know, my insurance agent or whatever, I I don't even know, um, confirming certain status, Yeah. right? Or like, here's um, a picture of my status Indian card, if there is support being given to rural Aboriginal folks, which to be... To be perfectly fair, I don't understand why there isn't more support. Um,
1: Yeah, you and me
0: both. But they're, (laughs) they're... Yeah, wow. The histories, all of the programs are different. And I know that it's important to give people their uniqueness and understand that these situations are radically different.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: And the common denominator is Canada is funding all of these things through complicated bureaucracies. And if we were able to go to more of a universal basic income format, even if that universal basic income wasn't universal. So if it were different for different types of situations, yeah. we can build the online system securely now. And oh, yeah. we can like the fact that we have, you know, Canada.ca is it, um, yeah,
1: yeah. The fact the that we general, just general the general like sign up site for anything basically now.
0: Yeah, they've finally centralized. I'm like, we should centralize all of our all of our social programs. I and, think.
1: And I will say this for the like the government of Canada, their websites are dog shit. Like, <laughs> it, they are so bad. Like trying to find something on can't like even Canada.ca or like um corrections canada which i'm on a lot probably more than i'm on facebook um they make it almost impossible to find the things that you need in a fast amount of time yeah um so yeah having having an online system but then making it very accessible and being like oh did you need this it's right here instead of having to dig through 18 pages oh looking my god csc anyway <laughs> stats canada is the same yeah yeah stats canada's awful
0: i think what we really need are just better better search implementations because i can usually find what i'm looking for on those sites through google but same. i can't <laughs> find them on those sites yeah, same. <laughs> they're just like too much of a hedge maze and i'm just like hey google i desperately need your help and yeah. google's like it's right here and i'm or like I go oh to, thank I go god to
1: academic papers and they're like oh did you need this it's here's the link and i'm like oh thank you so much
0: oh my goodness so yeah. because i said the words Okay, and then a certain um, search provider, my phone, tried searching. Oh. <laughs> Which just reminds me that not only is this being published on the internet um, for people to listen to, but of course my whole life is being published on the internet for Secret Service to listen to. Yes, same. Yeah, and I've just accepted that to a sort of extent, we're living in, a, in that dystopian future world that everyone feared. And the longer that we're in it, the more that frog in the pot kind of situation happens where people just accept that everything you say is being monitored.
1: Oh yeah. We love a <sighs> Panopticon, don't we? A societal <laughs> Sorry, that, Panopticon.
0: Panopticon is the idea of those horrible prisons where they're circular and everyone can see each other.
1: Yes. Well they uh they can see you, you can't see them. Oh yeah. there's a guard tower in the middle and it's completely obscured. So the idea was that uh Uh, sometimes there would be a guard in there, but sometimes sometimes there wouldn't, and you wouldn't know. So thankfully that was just an idea, but now (laughs) we've got security cameras and optics in prisons and, um, CCTV and shit like that. So, I mean, you just, you're always being monitored. So yeah. I think what's frightening is like to believe,
0: like to believe these systems are okay. We must believe that the law is fair and just And I think in most situations, most of the time, the law does pretty okay, but you have to keep in mind for folks that are like, well, if you aren't doing anything wrong, you don't have anything to be afraid of. It's like, Yeah. yeah, that's... That might be true. And in also theory. in theory, but the moment the laws change and all of a sudden it's say not legal to get married if you're gay or yeah. it becomes a crime to be gay or yeah. it becomes a crime to be part, to, to own a gun, for example, for those mm-hmm. folks on the right. Um, do you want Canada to have the ability to seize every single gun and where every single gun in the country is Um so that guns just become outlawed like is that a thing you want to be possible yeah Um, and if you don't think that that's just but the electorate decides it's what they want do you want the government to have the ability to for example take away all illicit drugs or all guns yeah i think there's a reason the black market exists oh yeah and as a release valve on pressures like societal pressures yeah no one likes corruption but I would say that black market stuff fills a niche. And if you take that niche away, it doesn't necessarily eliminate the black market. It just changes how it functions. Absolutely. Yeah. We tried this with prohibition. It was awful. Yep. It made a lot of people a lot of money. The war on drugs in the States, same deal. It's created huge problems in places that supply those drugs.
1: Well, Not I'm to like- mention
0: people getting jailed.
1: Yeah. And like the, like, I mean, I've watched, I've like, uh, not watched, but listened to some stuff about like the Silk Road when it was still operating. And like most of the time it was, was being used for, for marijuana. Um, or for some people they couldn't get their Like I, I was listening to a podcast. Um, one woman couldn't get her asthma medication. And so she was going on the Silk Road to get her asthma medication. Wow. Yeah. Like it was, it was being used for like, not just drugs. Um, and people will always think that the, like the dark net is being used for like, um, child pornography and sex trafficking. And actually that stuff is on the surface web. It's not like, (laughs)
0: that's (laughs) terrible.
1: Yeah. Like it's not on the deep web a whole lot. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of misconception about that. Um, but yeah, some people go to the black market for, for totally legitimate things, um, like healthcare because they can't, it's cheaper to get it through, um, like the dark net than it would be to get it through your, your GP. Right. Yeah. Especially in the States. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's crazy to me. Also, I feel like I should elaborate for folks that the Silk Road was a website on the dark web that took orders for drugs and connected dealers with people so that they could send out illicit drugs by mail. And then you would just get your drugs in the mail. Yep. You could pay with cryptocurrency. It was all as anonymous as possible. Although I will remind folks that cryptocurrency is not as anonymous as you think it is. Yes. Most cryptocurrency usage is very well tracked. So you are literally leaving a written paper trail of exactly what you did in perpetuity on the blockchain for police yep. investigators to look at years and years and years in the future.
1: There's a, uh, there's a really good documentary, um, uh, directed by Alex winter. I think it's called deep web and it's about the silk road and about dread pirate Roberts. Um, is that the name of the guy that did the silk road? Yeah. Yeah. That is
0: the best name ever,
1: but they don't even like he could like, it, it could have been multiple people. Um, right. but the really sad thing about that is that they, the, they caught him and now he's right. got like a double life sentence for creating this um it's this insanity web. to me. And the funny thing is, um, everyone was like, oh
0: my God, Provoxy Tor has been compromised. Yeah. And then all the police were like, no 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 no, it's totally safe. Keep doing your illegal things on the dark web. <laughs> um we we busted him with good old go fashioned ahead, go police ahead. work. And it's like oh. I'm like, yeah, a fucking likely story. That yep. is just like right? Bletchley Park all over again with yep. um with the project ultra to decode the enigma machine it was like no no we haven't decoded all of your transmissions we um we have a spy on the inside it was an informant yeah definitely just just keep just keep doing your shit keep using the same enigma standards to send out all of your (laughs) orders and codes you don't need to invest that money you don't want to have to redo your code system (laughs) way too expensive
1: oh my god
0: yeah ah alan turing I feel like we could chat all day, but I feel like we've also kind of uh, done, this, done this topic to death for this episode. Um, we've talked a lot about COVID um, and how COVID's affecting society. Do you want to yes. close the session and then we can open another one and chat about risks to incarcerated folks?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, let's do that. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on Intimate Interactions with me, Anna. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: So how was it, Intimates? Did you love something you heard? Or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash Intimate Interactions. Or you can go to patreon.com slash Victor Salmon, where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on intimatepodcast.com. And I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful, it's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.